0: The S&P looks like it lost 4.6% last week, which was the largest weekly drop since March of this year. On the heels of the best weekly gain in seven years, 4.8% the week before. So that right there, I think sums it up. Huge weekly gain, then you give back nearly all of that just like that.
1: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich.
0: Good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning, John. Snow day down here. How are you doing today?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, real exciting. We get a A little bit of
0: snow in the south, everything shuts down. Uh, It does, yeah, where we are down here, just south of Charlotte, South Carolina. We didn't get as much. I saw some pictures of some of our advisors, though, north of town, and they definitely looks like a winter wonderland, just a little bit to the north. And as, like, John, we talked about, it was my wife's, uh, well, we'll say 29th birthday, I think, 15th, 15th, 14th, 29th birthday. Don't say I said that out loud. This is on a podcast. I guess we just recorded that. But uh, we were supposed to go to Asheville, and that got... That crashed and burned because of uh, Asheville was dumped with about a foot of snow, I believe, approximately. So everyone out there in the storm, were are thinking of you. Um, and it kind of threw occur for the wife's birthday. We still had a good weekend this weekend, nonetheless.
2: Well, good, good deal. Yeah, we were we were down
0: in Florida visiting my dad,
2: celebrating, I guess it would be what, his 70th anniversary of his 21st birthday. So, mm-hmm. yeah, your old dad's 91 with the storms yesterday and the freezing rain and sweet and snow sleep and mm-hmm. freezing rain today. We had three flights delayed or canceled, oh, and one, the fourth, which got us home, was delayed a couple hours. But we let to tell about it, thankfully.
0: So, well, happy birthday to Daddy yeah, and, and Emily, I guess. And to your beautiful wife. That's, That's right. Ride. That's awesome. So, well
2: done. Obviously, another another volatile week in the markets. This is Monday, December 10th in the morning, and we're we're down early. What I'd like to do with you, line, is share with our listeners some of our thoughts, mm-hmm. not only on the market technicals, which Are becoming increasingly precarious and now the possibility has to be discussed can you have a bear market without a recession and we've had a handful of those over the last you know 30 years that I've been doing this I don't know if we'll quite get to that but you have to be open to the possibility because market technicals are terribly weak however I think you and I would both be running around with our hair on fire if the market fundamentals weren't so good you know that's kind of when you look at profits when you look at jobs You look at demand, so there really is a dichotomy going on here, and clearly we'll have to talk about oil, the Fed, and trade, and some of the global challenges going on with Brexit. A big vote on Tuesday, December 11th, or maybe not a vote on Tuesday, December 11th. Stay tuned. So we'll have to see about that, and uh, obviously, concerns about China as well. So let's get started. market was down four or five percent last week. What are some of your thoughts, Ryan, on the market technicals and obviously the what happened with the yield curve last week as well.
0: Right. Well, John, you know, let's put it like this. The S and P looks like it lost 4.6% last week, which was the largest weekly drop since March of this year on the heels of the best weekly gain in seven years, 4.8% the week before. So that right there, I think sums it up huge weekly gain. Then you give back nearly all of that. Just like that, Um, you know, clearly, as we're recording this, there's potentially you had the late October 29th lows. We'll call them the Thanksgiving lows. And then we're right about there. So there's we're holding kind of that last line in the sand, potentially. And should that violate, then you're saying maybe we go down to those early February lows. And, uh, you know, like you said, technicals definitely are weak. The one thing that concerns me, John, maybe you want to chime in on this, you know, small caps. You look at the Russell 2000 relative strength versus the S&P 500. It's been lagging for a couple of months, just made a new low again last week. So small caps. Which we're not, you know, you don't need small cap leadership. You just don't want small caps falling off a cliff. And that's usually not a good sign because there are more small caps out there than large caps. So we want to see some type of strength in small caps. And that's just not what we're seeing. So, again, a little little precarious here.
2: Yeah, there are a few things going on. If you look at market internals, we're not seeing advanced
0: decline ratio be strong.
2: We're not seeing a bottoming process on the S&P 500 with percentage of stocks hitting their one month low. We're not, you, you know, you really need to see the blow off. Right. Now we are seeing the blow off in that 49% as of Friday's close, 49% of the S&P 500 was down 20% or more. In a bear market. So mm-hmm. uh, half the index, as you all know, is a cap weighted index. It's not an equally weighted index, but nonetheless, many are already feeling the pain. But we're still not seeing it. in Some of the sentiment polls, put-to-call ratio, bull bear analyses. So we, we, we've got a little more to go. It would appear on the technical front, which we need to be mindful of. And a couple of the numbers we're looking at, this 2620 to 2640 range on the S&P 500 has really been the bottoming process for the market all year. Uh, we've We've seen what we would call a triple bottom. To the degree we're able to hold that in the close, Mm -hmm. triple bottom would be the third time we're trying to close above the 2620 level, which could prove precarious Mm -hmm. by the time our listeners hear this. But nonetheless, triple bottoms tend to, more often than not, offer support for the markets
0: no that's right john they do and you know something else to think about here last thursday the sp was down 2.9 percent at its lows and finished virtually flat you know, i was playing with some numbers you gotta go back to may 2010 the last time we saw that nasdaq was down over two percent finished higher so thursday was a really big reversal day and those can be potentially kind of a watch out you mentioned put the call ratios we finally started seeing some good fear on thursday um uh, thursday morning i guess i should say when, when we all came in and you know, all those big gains we had early in the week on the optimism over the G20 were given up. So it's, it, it, it's a, bottoms are process. I believe you've yeah. said that quote once or twice, John. So we're clearly in the process of that. Now, you know, a couple, two things I want to touch on, John, and I'll hand it back to you. You yeah. know, CNN Fearing Greed Index is kind of a nice one I like to follow. It's back almost to single digits, which historically has marked some major lows. But the other thing, I saw the Onion actually had a spoof on the stock market. I makes mean, you should chuckle a little bit, but at the same time, when the onions kind of taking jabs at the volatility and the stock market pulling back, the contrarian me says, "Okay, we're probably closer to a major low than we were obviously a month ago when the onions taking shots at the stock market."
2: That's right, exactly right. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Sound <laughs> intellectual analysis yeah, yeah. <laughs> from a contrarian standpoint, but that's, <laughs> that's right. That's mm-hmm. really important to keep in mind, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you go back to the what was it the I guess it was July of
0: 1982. When the cover- I
2: don't recall that the- one, John. I do okay. very clearly, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you were playing Little League baseball at the time, yeah. but I clearly recall an article or headline cover page of Businessweek that said the death of the equity market. Mm-hmm. And right. then August of 82, a month later, we went on an 18-year run. So uh, when, when you get that sort of contrarian indicator, it is something to keep in mind because, again, these technicals, are very confusing to investors. I mean, I saw a headline this morning that bond yields were up because of fears of economic slowdown. Mm -hmm. Now, that is contrary to everything I have studied over the last 40 years of academic and professional life. And uh, for those of you who have not studied it for 40 years, if the market was really concerned about economic recession or economic slowdown bond yields would not be up this morning they would be down now clearly they've gone down from 325 to 285 or so on the on the 10-year treasury but those sort of misleading headlines and this was a primary publication that should have known better uh that also adds to the confusion for investors and you know while we talked about the technicals triple bottom what the sentiment is what you know, advanced decline line ratios, you know, you saw fear on Thursday, certainly, when the market was down 800 and then rallied 790 points or something like that. We had yeah. that sort of rally. We still, advanced decline line ratio was what, 5 to 1, 6 to 1? Yeah, not We want to see 8, more. 9, 10 to 1 to right. really, really see that mojo behind the market. And then clearly, not only do you have technicals, but concerns about the yield curve. And uh, the belly of the curve, there were a couple of inversions on twos and, twos and fives and threes and fives. Yes. But we just want to make sure all our listeners understand 90 days, 10-year, 2 years, 10-year. Those are the indicators we're paying attention to. And while 2s and 10s are uh, carelessly close and narrow, 90-day and 10s are still sufficiently wide enough that we don't believe the market is is signaling recession.
0: Right. Yeah, John, you mentioned the yield curve. We actually wrote about it last week on our blog, LPLResearch.com. We took a look at the 2s, 10s, the last five recessions. After that, two ten inverted, the recession didn't begin until a median of nineteen point three months after the inversion, about a year approximately on average. But the median was nineteen months, and the median return was actually twenty two point three percent from uh, the eventual peak in the S and P five hundred after that inversion. So you're talking twenty two percent. You know, it's, it's yes, you're getting late in the game. We understand that. But sometimes these things can go for a couple of years with an inverted yield curve, and you continue to see gains. And that's what history has told us. The media, which we work closely with, got a lot of good friends in that industry. You mentioned the word yield curve or President Trump or trades with the trade war. Those things get the clicks, so they're going to keep talking about it, and it worries people. But when you get down into it a little bit, the yield curve is a concern. But near term, it says, hey, we've got time to change our portfolios and get the way we want it to be, there's still could to be some gains here.
2: Exactly. And, you know, we've seen that clearly with the 20% cumulative mm-hmm. return on average. And perhaps the only thing we're allowed to guarantee is that 20% has never been a straight line. You right? So <laughs> you, you see that pick up in volatility. And as we discussed many times with our investors, and in vol- volatility at this point in the cycle is not to be feared. It should be embraced because whether you look at that yield curve, Example, whether you look at peaks in manufacturing, whether you look at peaks in profitability, we've looked at the last five cycles on the economy, economic cycles, and we saw that peak to trough or peak to recession in manufacturing took about four years, and the S&P was up by about half on a cumulative basis. Same thing with profitability, get a peak in profits. We looked at 10 cycles, and we found that uh, it took about four years, peak to recession, and over that period, you also saw a similar move in the S&P 500. So that opportunity, I know it's it's painful when you have breaking news six times an hour, but it really should be viewed as an opportunity uh, to rebalance portfolios back toward targeted loca- allocations because the fundamentals look strong. Now, we've talked about market technicals, which are price and volume and charting yes. patterns. We talked about the yield curve. Uh, we still think the yield curve on the long end is more a function of there's a bid for Our 10 year on the part of global investors, even with currency hedging costs, you can get the Japanese government bond for what, five or six basis points this morning, the German boom for 25 basis points, or the 10 year for 285. Uh, There's a bid for us in spite of us. And also have year end portfolio positioning and, you know, banks purchasing 10 years just to, you know, get the books look nice and clean uh, by year end.
0: That's right, John. You know, two other fundamental things. Well, a couple of fundamental things happened last week. We had the ISM services and ISM manufacturing data here in the U.S. Both came in close to 60, both well above consensus. I've seen some people saying, "Hey, last time we saw volatility like this was December." in the month of December, was 2008. Usually, December's aren't this volatile, and it's true. I mean, they aren't. But and we are in volatility. But the good thing is, we were seeing recessionary numbers, sub 50 on the ISM services manufacturing back in December 2008. Fortunately, we're very far from that again along with the jobs report Friday. John, maybe I'll let you talk. You want to talk about the jobs number or either of the ISM numbers that we had last week.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, those are great examples of late cycle, let's call it softening of Mm -hmm. data. If you have an ISM print in services or manufacturing, in the high 50s or the high or low 60s that is a very very healthy report right. uh, when you see the jobs report that Ryan just highlighted uh, we created 150, 155,000 jobs mm-hmm. last month the consensus might have been what 195 yeah, a little higher like yeah. so you come in below so the headlines will suggest job growth slowing yes mm-hmm. well to the degree yes but 150,000 155,000 is still still enough to keep up with the population if you will and wages are still up about three, three point one percent on a year-over-year basis. Which was lower than
0: expected, by the way. Lower so. than
2: expected, mm-hmm. and significantly lower than the, the demarcation line, if you will, for Fed policymakers. Which historically it's been four or four and a half percent on wage growth before they get concerned and feel like that they need to slam on the brakes to slow down growth. So fundamentally, whether you look at jobs, manufacturing, services housing and autos are slowing because of what what's happened with rates and the fed has given many indications in the past 5 or 6 weeks that they are going to slow down next year but even with housing and autos slowing the preponderance of data is still very healthy and i think to close today ryan we just want to you know we want to talk about market technicals the yield curve and some of the fundamentals the fundamentals that we need to keep in mind are not going to be as good in 2018 as they were in 2017. Nor will they be as good in 2019 as they've been in 2018? They're still going to be very good. They're still going to be above, above growth levels. But we just need to be mindful as investors and want to encourage all our investors that good data or bad data probably won't move the market. It's going to be accelerating data or decelerating data. That's going to move the market. And I think that's probably lending itself to some of these weak market technicals that we've seen.
0: Uh, that's exactly right, John. And it's a global market, right? I mean, I know we'll come back you know, in pre- next future weeks and talk more about global, but clearly global economy showing pockets of slowing, specifically China and Europe. The U.S. continues to do pretty well. But, you know, I know, John, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the day. The one other thing that we kind of talked about last week was oil. Well, OPEC came out and said they're going to cut 1.2 million barrels. You just purely look at the technicals. Oil bounced off 50 and had a pretty good rally on Friday. So, you know, could that be one calming factor that oil is going to stop dropping like it has been? Remember, down 22 percent in November, one of the worst months ever. Maybe oil's found a little bottom, which can be comforting for the overall global economy. Maybe.
2: Absolutely. You know, we've we've all been concerned about the Fed. We've been concerned about trade with China. We've been Mm -hmm. concerned about oil and to the degree that we got what we were looking for yes. essentially right 1.2 million we were at 1.3 million but mm-hmm. uh, we're splitting hairs here um but nonetheless 1.2 million barrel per day production cut for the next year by OPEC and non-OPEC producers we view as a very positive development and it's just a it's an opportunity for investors to reassess why oil was lo- was lower Was it because of slowing global growth or was it because of excess production? And the fact that oil bounced off $50 a barrel really tells us you have that technical move based on the fundamentals. And we ultimately believe you're going to have a technical move positive on the markets again based on the fundamentals to the degree that oil's reaction can be a microcosm or foreshadowing for what we suspect will happen with the equity market as we continue to get clarity on the Fed. Continue to get clarity on trade, not a solution on trade, but a path toward progress. And to the degree that we've seen uh, progress on the oil markets, we think that should should vote favorably for investors in spite of the near-term
0: technical weakness. So with that, Ryan, want to uh,
2: close with any parting wisdom
0: for us? All oh, parting wisdom would be if you're in the path of this storm, hopefully everyone's doing well. You know, we're here for you. Uh, this was a lot of fun, as always, John. We'll be back next week for the next and latest edition of the LPL Market Signals. Looking forward to it. And John, I'll send it back to you and you can sign us off.
2: Yeah, next week we're excited about it because mm-hmm. we'll, uh, you know, we'll start talking about our 2019 market outlook and finalize some of that data for you. So, we're very excited about that. Wish everyone a very happy and safe week. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week on the next edition of LPL Market Signals Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch.
1: And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principle. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, Securities and Advisory Services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA, insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.